happy Mom's Day to you. Happy Mother's Day to you. And, and to all our mothers present today, we hope you really have a wonderful time with your family. We hope and pray that your family acknowledges and affirms all the great things you do for your family and just a deep appreciation for you. We want to say thank you for starting out Mother's Day with us. Thank you so much for celebrating Mother's Day with us and more importantly, for you starting your day worshiping God, who is the author, who is the creator of the establishment of the family, especially our mothers. And we just want to say happy Mom's Day to you. Well, Mother's Day is, uh, is wonderful memories. We as a preaching team wanted to also do this. We wanted to acknowledge that today, like every holiday, may bring some sadness may bring some, even some tears of mourning to you. And we would be remiss if we didn't recognize that for some of you, the loss of your mother has been a very, very difficult thing for you. And that this day doesn't necessarily bring rejoicing, but it does bring some pain, and we're sorry for that. And what is our prayer today is that the God of all comfort will come alongside of you and comfort you during your sorrow. And we hope maybe today that you'll walk away with maybe just a, a treasured memory that you'll be able to sort of grab hold on to and, and just let that ruminate with you during the day. But if you're in this situation, what we want to do right now is we just want to say a prayer. We just want to say a prayer over you today. Let's pray. Uh, Father, we, uh, we want to thank you for this day. We want to thank you for this day where we could celebrate moms. Father, we pray for those mothers. We pray for the people today who have lost their mom. We pray for today that you will comfort those who are hurting. We pray for today uh, for those moms that are hurting because of the loss of their children. Father, we want to ask you as the God of all comfort to come alongside all those who are hurting today and do what only you could do, and that is comfort those in the midst of loss. And it's through Jesus that we pray. Amen. Well, in celebration of the day, um, all three of us, the preaching team, we wanted to do something special for you. And we, start, we thought about starting out the day with doing some sort of alliteration, but no, you're not going to get that. Uh, no mothers or no moms or Princeton. Where's Princeton? Princeton's right back there. Princeton wanted us to do mama. I have no idea. And, but we're not going to do any of that. We're not going to do any alliteration or anything like that. But what we do want to do is, is we want to actually give you three words that we really think are really important for mothers to hold on to. And the three words that we want to, for you to hold on to and allow to be an everyday reminder of your day-to-day -day responsibility as a Christian mom, here's the three words we want to give you, and that is purpose, prayer, and patience. Purpose, prayer, and patience. And so we're going to be talking about those three words. I'm going to be doing purpose, and Chris is going to be doing prayer, and Monty's going to finish up with patience. We have a couple other things that we want to do for today that are just special. The first one is, is we have two videos to show you. The first one 
is of our children, and not all of them, just we had to take a sampling, and we're sorry about that, but we have some of our kids, and here's the question that we asked them, what do you love about your mom? And we're going to see that here in just a second. The other one is we have our adults, and we ask some of our adults what they love or loved about their mother. Now we get to see the first video, and the first video is of our children, and they say, and some of you better just go ahead and get your Kleenexes out. It's so cute, all right? Um, what they really love about their mother. I love that my mom does my hair for me. What I love about my mom is when I'm sick, she cares about me, and she helps me get better. I love everything about my mom. I love when my mom always makes me pancakes. They're my favorite thing to eat. I love when my mama praises me. I love my mom kisses. Something that I love about my mom is that she is a Christian example for my brother and me, and she's always there. What I love about my mom is that she is loving and caring and helps me win Firefly Monopoly against Leah and Caleb. What I love about my mom is that she cooks me dinner. What I love about my mom is that she teaches me to be um, kind always and, to, and when people are sad to help them. What I love about my mom is that she takes care of me when I need it and she helps me through my problems. Amen, right? That's neat. Uh, now we start to get a picture of why Jesus said we just got to become like little children, right? Purpose. For those of us who have our parents, um, we remember that uh, day and uh, the joy and the happiness that came when you found out that you were going to have a baby. And, um, and you remember that? I mean, you just were so excited. And, and then when they did the sonogram and you got that picture of that white dot in the middle of black, you go, look, it's my son. I mean, I didn't know whether I was going to have a son. I just thought God was going to change the sex of what I wanted on the table. I wanted a boy first, all right? And I just remember just holding that and showing everybody, look, I'm going to have a son. And then after that, the reality set in. And there was this overwhelming shock. And there was this overwhelming fear of what in the world am I going to do as a parent? And I, and I remember what I specifically did. I, and... And I still have this feel, even though we're in the empty nest stage right now, I still remember that horrible fear of like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? A dad? What am I going to do with that? And I still remember the idea. I, I remember, here's what I did, okay? And if you've been in my office, you understand this. I went out and I bought about 10 books on parenting. And I read every one of them. And, you know, Strong-Willed Child, all this stuff. And it helped me with Josh. I just beat Matt with the books, my second child. <laughs> I really didn't beat him with books, okay? But I, I just remember the idea is this, is that I just, I was just so, and they provided some good insight, but I was just like, I was petrified at this daunting task that lay before Betty and me. And I, and I remember that feeling. And that's when I wish 
I was Samson's parents. I mean, I wish I was like Samson's parents. I mean, if you go to Judges chapter 13, verses 8 through 14, they got an inside track to parenting that I wish, I bet all of us would get, you know, would, get, would have gotten when we, before we had our kids, right? I mean, they got a visit two times from an angel. Two times the angel comes down, and they get to ask the angel one of the, the three most important questions when it comes to parenting. And, and it deals, all of it deals with the sense of purpose. Uh, teach us how to bring up this boy who is to be born. What is going to be the rule of life and work? Translated, here's what Samson's parents were asking. What are we supposed to be as parents? What are we to teach our son? And finally is this, what will be our son's purpose? Now, if you got a visit from an angel, please don't tell me that because I hate you. (laughs) I don't hate you. But I mean, wouldn't it be great if we just got a visit from an angel? But even though, here's the thing, even though we don't get to call up an angel to answer the essentials of parenting, it doesn't mean that God has left us these questions unanswered. And I want to let you know that while mom, that dads and moms, they work together to determine the purpose of their children, it, I got to tell you where in reality, moms play such a special role when it comes to talking about the purpose of their children. So as Christian mothers, what are you to be? What are you to teach? And what will be the purpose of your children? A mother's purpose. What is is a mother to be? And and I don't know what you think about. I I, I think about some wonderful things about my mom. Uh, I I think about how loving she was. And I, I think about how... She was such a sacrificial servant, and I remember, I remember faintly her tenderness towards me. And I don't know what characteristics that you think about when you think about your mother, and I, I, there's all sorts of these wonderful characteristics, and even the Bible tells us there's what a mother should be. I mean, hey, hey uh, the fruit of the Spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience. That's not a bad list either. But when I think about what a mother should be, it really, and there's so many character qualities of that, really what it, none is greater and none is better than this, to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. You see, more than anything else, a Christian mother is to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And here's what that means. As a Christian mother, you have made a dedication. You have decided that you will follow Jesus Christ and you will conform your character to his character. And that is what a mother is to be, a disciple. What is a mother to teach? What is going to be the rule of life? What is the standard by which they are going to be raised? And, and as, as Christian mothers, this is the easy one, right? Right? Well, it's, it's, it's the Bible. I mean, the standard for Christian mothers is, is the Word of God. And while that's the simple, while that's the simple answer to that question, I've got to let you know that it goes much, much deeper than just the stories and rote memory about the Bible. Not that that's not important. I mean, that's the first step, right? 
the rote memory and the understanding and the understanding of the stories and how they unfold in Scripture. That's really important, but it goes so much more than that. It's so much deeper than that. Here's what the Christian mother understands when it comes to the Word of God. The Christian mother understands that there is a power to the Word of God. There is a power that is able to pierce her soul and the soul of her children. The, the mother, Christian mother understands this, that the Word of God could penetrate the, her life and penetrate the life of her children, actually saving the souls of her children. The Christian mother understands that Scripture needs to permeate her life. It permeates her life, every area of her life. And, and, and it's profitable for all the things it talks about in 2 Timothy, right? It's profitable for, for teaching and rebuking and correcting and training in righteousness so that she'll be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Finally, a, a Christian mother is this. She knows the power of the personal example. There's this amazing thing about Scripture. And, it, and you start reading some of these passages, like this one here in Acts chapter 1 and verse 1, and then you go over to Philippians, and there's others. There's this dynamic of Scripture. And the dynamic of Scripture is something like this. You do, and then you teach. You do, and then you teach. And the Christian mother understands that about the Word of God. The Christian mother understands that there is a doing before there's teaching. So for the Christian mom, what is the standard? What is the rule of life? It's Scripture. A Christian's mother's purpose is to know, to understand, cherish, and model the Word of God. But what is the purpose of our children? As a mother, what's the purpose of your children? And it could be no greater than what you are and what you are becoming, and that is a disciple of Jesus Christ. The purpose of our children is for them to be disciples, followers of Jesus Christ, where their character is molded and shaped into the form of Jesus Christ. And, and I understand this. Listen, there is, it's, important. There, it's important that we're balanced. I understand this. I, I, I think that it's important for our children to understand what it's like to play sports. I, I, think, I think it's important for them to understand and be a good student. I think it's important for them to do some wonderful extracurricular activities. I think it's important for them to understand and the, what a hard day's work is. I think it's important for them to understand what it is to respect authority, all those things. But listen, all those things pale in comparison All of them pale in comparison compared to being a disciple of Jesus Christ. And here's what a mother's desire is. Here's what a mother's heart is. A Christian mother's desire and heart is this. That Christ be formed in the lives of her children. So the first word is purpose. And purpose means this. Today we want to honor you as moms, but we want to speak the idea and the concept of a mother's purpose. And a mother's purpose is this. First and foremost is to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Number two is this, to love 
emulate and teach God's word. And finally is this, is to see Jesus form in the life of her children. And this is a mother's purpose. In just a moment, we're going to have another video. As soon as I sit down, there's going to be another video of some of the adults in the congregation talking about, talking about mothers and what mothers meant to them. But before we do that, I want to talk about the second quality we see in godly mothers, and that's the quality of prayer. The godly mothers are women of prayer. Maybe you can remember your mother in times of prayer as she went before God and and bowed a knee before him. You know, I think it's interesting that godly mothers always have this, this mentality or this attitude with, with an upward gaze of prayer before God. It's like they, they have this connection with God where they always want to look to him and, and turn to him in prayer. And when I say upward gaze towards God, I'm not saying necessarily that they don't bow their head or that their eyes are open when they pray. But it's this attitude that says, I'm going to look to God in prayer in every single moment of my life, every crisis. I'm going to turn to him. I'm going to talk to him. I'm going to tell him about my troubles, and I'm going to seek him out and ask him what he thinks. You know, when I think about mothers, it just dawns on me, it occurs to me that it just seems like in so many ways moms are on a different level of spirituality than, than maybe us dads sometimes are. I think about me as a dad and, and my default in, in a crisis to, to try to work it out and think it through and process through it. I remember when we were talking about having children as a family, we would We'd sit there and I would work through it and think about, okay, how much money is it going to take to have a, have a family? And I thought, you know, how big is my balance on my credit card? I, did, I didn't think that, honestly. We're doing, we're doing Dave Ramsey. But, but when we were thinking about, it, you know, how, how much do we need to plan in advance? But I remember that godly mother, that godly mother who looked up to God and, and turned to him in prayer and it's kind of strange to me as a dad because you'd think that her focus would be on, on her belly, right? But her focus was on God. She's asking him, turning to him, the one who could provide for her, asking for provision. Or I think about as I have my daughter and we're getting ready to, to, to give her the keys to the car. Maybe you've been that through that where you're handing the keys of the car over and that moment as a dad thinking about, okay, does she know how to change the oil and change the tires and even change lanes properly? But here I see mom in that upward gaze of prayer, turning to God and speaking to him, communicating with him and trusting all that energy towards him. You know, when I think about it, I wonder how in the world can mom be that way? How is it that she's able to live in this earth and yet have her focus on things above? And it occurs to me, perhaps the reason is, is because she understands something about God that I don't. Maybe she understands because of that miracle of birth, that she has a connection with God in a deeply profound way that I could never truly have. Maybe she understands because she was a vessel for creation. 
And so as I was planning and preparing for baby to come, she had to trust in the one who would make sure her child's eyes and ears and hands and feet and heart and mind were complete because she couldn't do it without him. She needed the creator. And so her eyes were focused upon him. And we see that with moms. That they gaze upon the Lord, they turn to the Lord and communicate with Him. I see that godly gaze of communication in prayer as they rely on Him as they send their children off to school. You've seen it. Moms communicating and talking to God. God, you've got to get us through this. This is a hard time. I see moms communicating and talking to God with that gaze upon the Lord as they send their kids into sports and healthy competition for the first time. Or maybe it's whenever they first decide, hey, are we going to give this kid a cell phone? And so they're praying about it. Mom is praying about it, and she's turned her gaze upon the Lord. When do we get this child into, into social media? Or do we? Asking God to answer those questions. Or maybe as they send their babies off to college. And they give their gaze to God, they place their gaze on him, and they, she talks to him and she communicates with her God about the need for her child to make healthy, wise decisions in college. I see moms praying to God fervently about love, the love of their children, who they're going to fall in love with, who they're going to marry as they start their families. And I see godly moms turning to God regarding how their children raise their grandchildren. They have to endure watching that. How challenging is it? You see, there's this upward gaze of prayer that moms have where they turn their hearts to him and they communicate with him. They turn to God as their provider, as their healer, as their protector and their nurturer. And they ask him, knowing that only he can provide, knowing his answer for help is crucial. It reminds me of that upward gaze that existed in the life of Hannah in 1 Samuel. Do you all remember Hannah? You remember how that in 1 Samuel, Hannah turned to God and asked God to give her a child. She was so maternal even whenever she didn't have children. It's, it's an interesting thing how maternal someone can be without children. And here's Hannah praying to God and she's questioned about that. Are you drunk? And remember her words. She said, I'm a woman who is deeply troubled. I've not been drinking wine. I'm pouring out my soul to God. We see that same kind of prayer life and that upward gaze of Mary as Mary sings or prays to God when she finds out that she's pregnant. She says, my soul magnifies the Lord. And you know what? Mary's upward gaze didn't end as she was young. Even as she was older, she had that upward gaze as she spoke to the creator of the universe. And you can imagine the kind of prayers that she prayed as she communicated with the creator of the universe while she watched her child dying on the cross. Mothers. Well, today I want to encourage you with this message. Godly mothers, keep on praying. Keep on praying. In the same way you see Hannah praying, in the same way you see Mary and others throughout Scripture praying, godly mothers, keep on praying. Keep on praying for the sake of men so that men will see that example and know that, hey, 
Sometimes things aren't solved with muscle and might or with, with figuring things out, but by turning to Him and Him alone, the God who can answer our prayers, would you keep on praying? Keep on praying and confiding in God in times of storms. Ask the one who calms storms to heal those storms for you. Would you keep on praying as an example to your children and to future generations who will be godly man, men and women, godly dads and godly mothers who will pray? And will you keep on praying in times of crisis, turning your upward gaze in prayer towards God so that in times of crisis, whether that be the crisis of the moment or the anxiety of the time or just the frustration of that afternoon, you can turn to God and know that he is the one who hears you and who loves you and who cares for you. Keep on praying. Godly women, godly mothers, keep that upward gaze in every moment of your life and so be like those who came before you as a model of strength to those who will come after you and the Lord, he will hear your prayers. The message, godly mothers, is this. Keep that upward gaze of prayer every time, every moment of your life. And we have a God who hears and cares and loves you deeply. My mom is diligent, warm-hearted, thoughtful, caring, Jesus-loving, God-fearing. And I aspire to be like her in more ways than she probably knows. And I know that if I could grow into just half the woman that she is, that I'd be perfectly all right. Um, she's shown my family such extraordinary sacrificial love, and I'm so thankful to have her as my mom. One thing I love about my mom is that she's, she's a great confident. She's reliable. I enjoy talking to her, and I can tell her things that are bothering me, and she's real good at helping me deal with them and get through hard times, and she's just a lot of fun to be around. One of the many reasons I love my mom is for her sweet servant heart. Whether you need a kind word, a friendly smile, a comforting hug, a word of encouragement, even if you just need some coconut cream pie therapy, she's always going to be the first one there. One thing I really love about my mother is her ability to celebrate. Growing up, I didn't naturally like to celebrate, like for example, my birthday. But my mom would put on the best birthday parties and she just knew how to make you feel special. I love my mother, Rilda Yoakum, because she is continuously teaching her two daughters how to be strong, faithful women through a loving, giving, and generous heart. One thing that I love about my mom is her hospitality. Uh, she always invites people into her home to eat. And if anybody ever needs something to eat, she's more than willing to bring it to them and she's got a big heart in that. She wants to make sure people are well taken care of. So that's one thing that I love about my mom. Well, what I love, loved about my mom, she passed away when she was 59. And I realized as I was grieving and grieve uh, to, this, to this date is that even if she had lived one more second, one more day, one more hour, she had shown me everything that I feel I needed to be a Christian woman. Her faith was strong. She was, she was baptized when she was nine, and she was faithful. Uh, 
until the day she passed away. I think there's so many things that, that I love about my mom. Uh, she's, she's been an amazing mom for, for our whole family uh, and for, for so many others. Uh, I think one of, the, one of the big things, of course, is that she has always pointed us toward God and wanted us to, to have our relationship with God first and foremost. What I love about my mama is that she has a servant heart. She is always there for anybody and everybody at any time. She is a fantastic cook. She's always there if you need someone to talk to, just encouragement or to pray with you. And anytime I need a breakfast, lunch, or thrift store shopping date, she's the one to call. My mother, it was a great lady. She had a huge heart. Uh, she was a great cook, but uh, also she, has, she was a hard worker. So uh, she always worked hard for us and, and helped us in any way to provide for us and to provide for the whole family. Well, the kids are all grown up, and now they're out of the house, at least for a moment. You understand they're coming back, right? Well, sometimes that happens. Well, they're, they're grown up now, and they're, they're out of the house, and oftentimes mothers start looking back, and they start thinking about what they wish they'd have done better. It, they, they question what they did, and they, they think, well, maybe I could have done some things better. And as I have listened to mothers over the years, the one thing that seems to be uh, frequently thought about is that they wish that they would have had more patience. I, I hear mothers talking about they, they wish they wouldn't have been so impatient and made such a big deal over spilt drinks, or they wish they wouldn't have made such a big deal as, as toys lying in the floor, maybe when they shouldn't have been, or messy rooms. I, I hear mothers talking about, I wish I'd have been more patient. When it came to wanting my children to act like adults, when in fact they were just little, little kids, I hear mothers talking about the fact that they would have been more impatient and, and they wouldn't have pushed so hard when it came to things like academics and music and sports and all those extracurricular activities. And I hear mothers talk about how they wish they wouldn't have been so impatient in those moments when they had things to do and they were trying to get things done around the house and they needed a little bit of help, but, but the kids were busy with their cell phones or, or playing video games, they, they wish they'd have been a little more patient in those times. And, and I hear oftentimes mothers say, I wish I'd have been more patient. I wish I would have listened more. And, and tried to hear and understand what my children were, were telling me. And, and not been so impatient and only wanting them to, to hear what I wanted them to hear. You see, when it, it comes to impatience, as you think about this feeling of impatience, the thing that I would tell you as mothers is join the club. I mean, it... it 
you can just count on it. It's inevitable for mothers to feel what I call this flush of impatience that come over you in those times. When you're asking those questions, when they're doing those things again that you've tried to teach them not to do, when they're not doing what you ask them to do, and that flush of impatience comes over you, that's, I guess that's part of motherhood. That's going to happen from time to time. So the encouragement that I give you this mother this morning as mothers, those of you who still have still have children at home, or even if you have children out of the home who still listen to you every once in a while, my encouragement to you is something that I'm really going back some to what's already been said here this morning. And the first thing that I would say to you is you keep purposing. You keep purposing to be a disciple to your children, and you keep purposing to make disciples of your children. You just you keep doing that and be patient. Okay? Be patient. And, and then you you keep that upward gaze. You keep praying. You keep praying about their lives and, and, and the moments of their lives and those important events and, and, and everything about their, their lives. You keep those prayers going up every single day and be patient. Be patient. This morning, I'm speaking about patience. I'm talking about this virtue of patience. Yes, because you as mothers, guardians, parents, it's an important virtue to, for you to have day after day after day. That patience is important. But, but especially this morning, I want you to hear me. Encourage you with this virtue of with patience. When it comes to those moments... When your hearts are burdened because your children have decided to take these dangerous detours in their lives. Or maybe when it seems like they've just stopped walking with Christ altogether. See, mothers, it's in these moments where anxiousness and heartache can sort of want to take over. I mean, you get impatient. You've, you, you've seen like you, you've done everything to sort of disciple them. And you've, and you've been uh, praying for them for so many years. And, and you've done everything you can to fix it. You've done everything that you can do in order to redirect their lives, and they don't seem to be responding. And they don't seem to be reacting in the ways that you want them to. And what I'm saying this morning is this really isn't the time to panic. This isn't the time to, to lose heart and, and to become and feel hopeless. This is the time. To remember this important truth. God is not finished with their stories. 
their present thinking and activities are, are, are not necessarily indicative of the future chapters of their stories. And, and I, I want you to think about this from Scripture, and I want you to see this truth. I want you to look in, 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 and see King David's story. And understand in those chapters of his life that were full of immorality and dishonesty, that they weren't indicative of the future chapters of his stories of a man of certain faithfulness in God. And think about Saul of Tarsus. And how he had those chapters, and in, 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 you can see in chapter 7 and 8 and 9, these glimpses of Saul... Who, who, who had these chapters of, of rebellion against God and hate of toward Christ and his church. And yet, as you follow his story out, you're going to see in those closing chapters of his life, you're going to see a man who is full of love and faith and sacrifice for Jesus Christ and for his church. But maybe you just want to look at Monty Pettyjohn's story. And know that there were chapters of rebelliousness and worldliness. And yet now, there are more chapters of faith and obedience and a pursuit of God. These stories, and so many millions like them, tell us an important thing. And that is that God's hand is still on the page of our children's stories. God's, God's hand is still there writing. It's writing, Bill, with the power of those truths that you've taught your children and purpose for their lives. It, it's still writing in powerful ways through his providence at work in ways that you as a parent, as a mother, cannot see that are inexplicable. And he's still moving in their lives and, and, and working to open those eyes to the fact that they need him and that, that he loves them and that they need his guidance for their lives. And, and understand that he's still riding through the power of people. People that come in and out of their lives. People of faith that can touch them with their kindness and their mercy and their light. In order to open their eyes and help them to see the way ahead. In these and so many other ways, understand that God's hand is still upon the page of your children's stories, doing all he can, which are some amazing things to guide your children, our children, free will children, back to the ways of light. So mothers, if or when your children aren't walking in the ways of faith, my encouragement is instead of Letting anxious hand-wringing 
and a sense of hopelessness become the spirit of your lives. Don't do that. You just remember, be patient. Patiently keep purposing for yourself to be that model of a disciple they still need desperately to see. And, and you keep purposing to keep that upward gaze, praying for them, knowing that God hears and God moves in our lives. And then you be patient believing God's hand is still at work and he's still writing their stories. Yes, it's true. Today is Mother's Day. But you know... It may also be Children's Day. Maybe you're one of those kids that mom's been purposing for, praying for, and been waiting patiently for that you'd come home that you'd return to the Lord. Maybe that's why you're here today. If it is, we beg you to come share your story with us and let us return you back to your walk of faith while we stand and while we sing.